We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. This may sound strange, but I consider shame, shame, to be a friend. But it's been a long journey to get there. When I was eight, I was pierced with a wound of shame. And it wasn't any catastrophic kind of thing, but it was just, it was enough for the enemy to get his his sword in there and get a wrong message into my life. And the message was, what you have done, Perry, is who you are and who you'll always be. And there is no hope. Mm. And it just started to grow from there. That, of course, was a lie. But I believed it because it felt so deeply true. But that deep sense of shame also provided a place in my heart that really needed to be embraced by God's perfect love. And that's what he began doing when I was 10 years old. So the wound was there and the lie was still there and it was growing and I still believed it, but I also knew God loved me. It wasn't until I was in my thirties that I really began to see that I was still believing the lie Mm. and I was believing it because the wound was still there and I felt it so deeply. That's when a Jedi master mentor helped me see the difference between what God says is true and what my feelings say are true. I mean, this is 101, but I, I still hadn't gotten 101. And the light went on. I realized that the truth of God's love for me is a rock-solid truth, even when my feelings scream otherwise. And it's not easy to make this shift, and you have to have the strength of the Holy Spirit to start making this shift. But I began in earnest to believe the truth in the face of my feelings of shame. And the Lord literally began healing my mind and rewiring my brain as I chose time and time and time again to believe the truth and reject the lie. So, and it also, as I began to believe the truth and reject the lie, God's love was able to come down into my heart more Mm. because I was believing the truth even when I felt otherwise. And so now when I feel shame, I know it's lying to me but I still feel it. Why do I still feel it? Because it's a wound. Mm. I don't believe the lie of shame, but I still experience the wound of shame. But my wound of shame drives me to Jesus. You see how it's a friend? My wound of shame drives me to Jesus. It's a space in my heart that I need Jesus to keep on embracing. Yeah. When you, when you say, you know, I started to believe the lie, what did that look like for you? What was like, like on the nitty gritty on, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock when the life felt influential and it was still there like it had been before you had this realization? How did you press belief in? How did I what now? How did you press into believing what God says? Well, I guess it was in my thirties that I began to make that shift. And this is kind of a, kind of a long story. But it was the, I was going through some depression and, and it was because of, you know, things I had done in my past. And I, I just, I tried to fast and pray it away. Mm. And when I was done fasting, I still felt it. And that made me more depressed. And then I figured, well, I feel so lost. I must be lost. And that's when I thought I am lost. I am cut off from God. And 
that's where my feelings took me. The ultimate mm-hmm. place my feelings took me was that I'm not, I must not be a child of God because I feel shame and I must not be able to accept God's forgiveness because I still feel unforgiven, yeah. if you will. And so it just started from, from there where I think it was Teresa, my bride, that just said it's, it's blind faith, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense of not that there's not evidence for, right. for our faith, but it's, it's choosing to believe even though you feel differently. Yeah. And, and, and I knew that, but now I was experiencing the need to really press into that. So, right. so then it just moved on from there where I began to learn more and more and more how that is true. You believe in spite of what you feel. Well, I think that we can all identify there being a gap between what God says and what feels real to me. You know what I mean? Like, different areas of our life. Maybe it's not related to shame. Maybe it's not even related to God's love. Although I feel like that's a very universal one. We struggle to feel God's love the way that he actually loves us. You know, there's a gap there between how I feel worthy of being loved and how God actually loves me. Like he's so lavish with his love. He's so kind and he's though he's just, he's forgiving. Like all these things are hard for me to reckon in my mind. And that's where, you know, faith comes in. It's focusing on the word of God and saying, all right, I feel like I don't deserve to be loved. I feel like I can't really be used by God because I'm kind of just trying to figure things out as I go. And yet God says, oh no, I've got incredible plans for you. Like I'm going to use you in great ways and you don't have to have it all figured out. That's not what it's about. It's just about that gap, like filling that gap with everything I say. Right, right. Because we walk by faith yeah. and not by sight. We don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by this intense feeling of God's presence and mm-hmm. love just mm-hmm. being poured out on us every single moment of every single day. Because you know what? We're not home yet. Right. We're not home yet. But the reality of his presence, the reality of his presence still exists even when I feel like he's so far away. Yeah. Like I have God, I have no idea where you are. And I so long to hear from you. And I know that you speak and it feels like you're silent. Like all those things can be going on. And at the same time that we feel all of those things, we go, all right, the reality is because the word of God says, and he doesn't lie that he's here. Yep. So I'm going to trust that you're here, even yeah. though I got none of the feels going on right now. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. And, and that's, that's exactly what, I'll put it this way. I have been learning. Yeah. Aren't I need, we all? I need to keep relearning it. So yep. I've, I I call shame a friend because now I know the shame is a lie, but the wound is there and uh, it just, but it drives me to Jesus to experience more of his love. It's, it's still a place in my heart that needs to be embraced by Jesus. And that's the cool thing about it. He just keeps on embracing me. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus does that time and again, it just makes me... It just makes his love go deeper into my heart. And that's why I can say that shame has become a dear friend. I wouldn't, okay, check this out. I wouldn't know Jesus the way that I do without the shame that I have. Mm -hmm. So Sunday morning, we read the story of the woman at the well in church. And I'm telling you, this is one of my favorites. And one of the things I love about the word of God is that you can read a familiar passage and God can speak a new truth to you. There's just so much for us to learn in God's word. Love it. So anyway, I was so struck this particular Sunday about 
as I read through the story about how God changed her story. He really did. So she had, you know, for years been the woman who just couldn't seem to hold on to a relationship. That was what she was known for. And she didn't have a very good reputation. But she goes to the well in the heat of the day to probably avoid the people who would gather there in the morning in the cool of the day. Anyway, there she is. She's trying to avoid people and she ends up running into somebody, right? She's hoping, I just today I can't deal with the judgmental glances. I just don't want to hear the snickering. You don't want to hear them talking about me behind my back. So she tries to run into no one. She runs into this Jewish guy who she's guessing is probably a prophet based on their conversation. But here's the thing, it's Jesus. And he crosses all kinds of cultural boundaries in this encounter with her, like gender boundaries. He, you know, men of that time, Jewish men in particular, would not be having a conversation with a woman. They wouldn't even be found alone in the same place as a woman. And Jesus intentionally goes there and sends all his disciples off ahead of him so that he can, he can sit at Jacob's well And he can have this encounter. He can have this conversation with this woman. So he crosses that boundary. There's ethnic boundaries because she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. There's social boundaries, like all kinds of things. But he just, he shows us in this story that he values women, that he valued her. And he offers her living water. Now, mind you, she's at a well. She's there with her jar and she's there to fill it up. And he says, I've got something that will fill you so much better than that jar you're carrying around right now. And then... He entrusts her with this, like the most important message. Here he's got, you know, disciples following him that he's training and that he's doing life with. Are they the ones that he gives the message to share that he's the Messiah? Mm -mm. No, it's this Samaritan woman with a bad reputation who's trying to avoid everybody that he gives the message that he's the Messiah. And after meeting Jesus and having like a really vulnerable conversation about her private life with him, without even considering what other people would think, the very people she was trying to avoid, she runs off to them and she's got to tell them about Jesus. She's like, I met the Messiah. Could this be the Messiah? She was the person that Jesus entrusted with this announcement that he's the Messiah. And because of her encounter with Jesus, She went from being the woman who had blown it to the woman who carried the message about the Messiah. I love this. God completely changes her story. And in John 4, 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. That's the verse. And then it follows 42 says that these women who believed because of her, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. A couple of things I love about this story is, is that first of all, early in the conversation, Jesus puts himself in a place of need. He says, can you give me a drink? Mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the creator of everything saying, mm-hmm. can you give me a drink? I love that about Jesus. But the second thing is, is when Jesus reveals to her, that he knows everything about her. He knows every, he knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and she doesn't feel condemned. Yeah. She knows she's sinned, but she feels loved in her sin. That's the gospel. While we were at our worst, Christ died for us. And being loved in her shame is what frees her up. Yeah. To be able to go back and face all the people who were so judgmental. It didn't matter anymore. She knew she was loved and 
And for us, you know, that we, we can come to that place where it doesn't matter anymore because we're loved. Yeah. You know, the, the being known, we all want to be known, but we fear that to be fully known is to be fully rejected is to be despised, mm-hmm. is to be, you know, to have people look at us in disgust. And in some cases, I mean, with human beings, that's a reality, you know? Right. But with Jesus, yep, he says, I know, and I choose you. And I choose you not just as a pity project. I don't choose you like, I'm just going to let you sneak in through the back door. You know, don't, we're not going to make a big deal about it, but I'm going to let you in. Mm-mm. He says, I choose you and I'm, and I'm going to use you mm-hmm. like y- your life has such great value and such great purpose. And I'm going to completely change your story. I know that you're the woman in town who has the bad reputation. That's who you were. But now that we've met, now that you know me, you're going to become the woman who transformed this village with a message of my love. I mean, how crazy cool is that? That reminds me of a line in the chosen from Mary Magdalene. She says, I was one way. They're asking her about Jesus. I was one way. And then I was another. And what happened in between was him. Yeah. Ah, and we get to meet with him. Like I'm getting emotional, but we get to experience that from Jesus every single day. You might wake up in the morning and feel like I just am such a, I've so blown it. You know what I mean? Like, um, There's just no hope for me. We might wake up feeling that way, but then we get to have this encounter with Jesus, this conversation with Jesus every single morning. And he says, all right, you know, that might be who you were. That might even be true. What you're speaking out about yourself, what you're believing, it might not even be lies. It might be what you've actually done. But I'm about to change things. I'm about to change your story. So no matter how you've blown it, no matter what you are known for, you and I today, we can become those who share the good news of who Jesus is. Our friend Salo Montalvo has been impacted big time through 89.3 Moody Radio. As he listened while he was in prison just many, many years ago, he was involved in a, well, actually he was the getaway driver for uh a robbery that happened at this this store, this party store, and the clerk was murdered. And so Salo, at the age of 16, went to prison for life. And he was in prison a long time, and then the laws got changed. And so he was able to get out of prison. He didn't ever think he would. At any rate, that's the short of his long story. But here's how Moody Radio impacted Salo. Salo, just jump to the part of the story. You, you listened to Moody Radio when you were... In prison, correct? Yeah, okay. yes. Tell us about that and why it was meaningful to have mm. Moody Radio during that season. Yeah, so that season in life was probably the hardest point in my prison stint. And I was just so full of despair and I had given up hope. There was just so many dangers that I had faced. You know, people trying to assault me, stab me, harm me. And at the time I worked in the kitchen and I would get up really early in the morning and I would listen to a lot of the ministries like Chuck Swindoll and listen to the music. And um, God just used that time of reflection to really give me hope, to give me strength, to help me refocus. But just to give you a real look into what that time looked like for me, I was 
I think for all intents and purposes, somewhat suicidal. Mm-hmm. You know, I prayed every day or every night before I went to sleep that God would just take my life while I was sleeping so that I wouldn't wake up and see, you know, the the bunk above me or the, you know, those prison walls anymore. I felt like I was just reaching my end. And I think being there in that place, it just, it made room for God to to work in me, hmm. to give me hope and to show me that he's there that he cares, that he's with me even there in those dark times, um, that he loves me. I remember one night listening to the radio and hearing this song, and this was before I even learned to play guitar or before I led any type of worship or anything like that. It was a few years before, and I heard the song by Cademan's Call, God of Wonders. Mm-hmm. And it was just something there that just spoke so deeply to my spirit, and I just found myself like in worship. And it was like the first time I really ever just let go and just worshiped God. Mm. And it just ignited a love and a desire to worship in my heart. From then on, I just would find just some solitude and just listen to music and listen, you know, to the messages. And Moody Radio really just gave me nourishment to my Mm. soul, you know. It served as a light in a really dark time and place for me. Such praise to Jesus for how he works through 89.3 Moody Radio, and he works through people like you as we are listener-supported. To make stories like Solos possible, just go to moodyradio.org slash grandmappings. When you are weak, that's when you're strong. Same for me. When I am weak, that's when I'm strong. But I don't want to be weak. I want to impress people. Dutch priest Henry Nouwen once wrote that Jesus' first temptation was to be relevant, to be impressive, to turn stones into bread. That makes sense in a, in a new way for me, for Jesus turning stones into bread, being relevant and impressive. The Christian, he said, is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her vulnerable self. That is the way Jesus came to reveal God's love. And I ask myself, how often am I projecting a false image of relevance, importance, impressiveness, Mm. and competence, when in fact I am vulnerable, fallible, and broken, and you know, this is this is just really a, a challenge to my life and to, I guess, our whole Western Christianity mm-hmm. because we seem to be all about relevance. And, yeah, it, when you think about the contrast between the way Jesus lived his life yeah. and the way I walk out my life sometimes, I, I know that I need to lean into my weakness. What does it look like to, you know, to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but my vulnerable self. Mm-hmm. I love how Jesus modeled for us in his life, his obedience to the Father and how he kept his eyes on the Father and he only said and did what the Father wanted him to say and do. And he had people, you know, there were people getting healed and, you know, by him and people pressing in to want to experience more of him and stay, don't go. And he, consistently met with the father and did what God had told him to do, did what the father was telling him to do. And it's such a beautiful example of what our lives are meant to be. You know, I think 
I would love to, you know, to take glory for outcomes. I, I think about the guy who happened to be the speaker the day that the Asbury outpouring started felt like he had blown it literally, you know, texted his wife. I whiffed. He mm-hmm. said that was his, that was his terms. I whiffed it again, you know, just feeling like, ah, oh, he'd just blown it. But, but our only job is obedience and the outcomes are not up to us, you know? And I mean, I wrestled with this recently and just having an opportunity to minister and God calling me to do something and feeling like, man, I blew that one big time. I felt like I had whiffed as well. And it's like realizing that our only job is obedience. We don't need to worry about if it was great or if it was awful. We just need to be doing the things that God has said, this is what I want you to do today Mm -hmm. and release it to him. You know, it doesn't matter if I was relevant. doesn't matter if I was impressive. I just know that God asked me to do this. And so I did the job that God called me to do. Now, what's the next job that you want me to do? Yeah. And to do it with humility. And lately I've been challenged to just during worship, during worship with other believers, we do that on Sunday morning. I've just been challenged to worship on my knees from time to time. And it's humbling to... It can go both ways. It's humbling yeah. to get on your knees and realize people are are looking at you when this isn't a place where people normally worship on their knees. Or it could be something that would give me pride because, oh, look, I'm, I'm on my knees. But for the most part, it's a humbling posture for me to take. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a good thing for me to just do that. Uh, it, it feels humbling. And if it feels humbling, it, it is humbling. Mm-hmm. And it's just a way to to just kind of move into this a little bit to to not be impressive, but to just mm-hmm. go low mm-hmm. and, you know, to to show that to the world. I think that's what the world is looking for. And I love Paul's words, you know, when he talks about having this thorn in the flesh and he wanted Jesus to take it away because I don't want a thorn in the flesh because I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be, I want to be invincible. I want to be impressive and Jesus said, no, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is enough for you. Mm. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, well, in that case, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.